We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics Network production! Went forward in time to view alternate futures, to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. How many did you see? 14,605. How many did we win? Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Journey Into Comics, the podcast that's dedicated to everything nerd. With your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips, and introducing his new co-host, Tyler McLaughlin. You should have gone for the head. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey Into Comics. It's Journey Into Comics 298. I'm Nate. I hope you're doing great. That all rhymed. That was not intentional. <laughs> Fuck. I guess that's how we're starting the show. Jesus, Nate. Welcome back. Once again, the man, the myth, the legend, the savage one, the stepdad of the JICN. He will whip you with his belt, goddammit, and like it. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. T.Y., how you doing, brother? I am... Um... I'm like a bear that just woke up from hibernation. Like I just took a little, like a miniature nap. Um, and since I've been on this diet and I haven't been like car bloating and shit, like I haven't had a desire to take a nap. Um, but I, so, you know, here over the last couple of months, we've been chronicling my, kind of my health, um, which is still improving, doing good. But I figured out that the, so I take a multivitamin, right? And multivitamins are really hard because the like if you just buy a a like run of the mill multivitamin for men or for women over the counter it doesn't matter it's gonna have X Y and Z it's gonna have the right amount of certain things but not enough of other things and it's gonna have depending on the formulation certain things that interact with other vitamins and minerals that are in the multivitamin and allow your body not to uptake them. And then especially if it's, you know, it's, if it's a, like a tablet, your body has to digest it and you're, you're basically taking a gamble on whether or not your body will actually absorb any of that. So in the past I have been vitamin D deficient. I haven't got blood work done now in like two years, I think. And I really should, but so not long ago, I started taking an additional vitamin D uh, supplement on top of my multivitamin. Um, and the last couple weeks in the evenings, I've been having anxiety attacks. And Whoa. I realize, I come to find out after doing a little bit more research, um, based on how my body is reacting to this additional vitamin D. I might have too much. 
Um, one of the side effects of vitamin D overload. Well, it's not necessarily uh, vitamin D toxicity. It's that when you have a lot of vitamin D in your blood, it allows uh, it allows a lot more of the uptake of calcium and zinc. So when you get too much calcium and zinc in your blood, it basically poisons you that way. So um, we've all heard stories about people like using galvanized metal to cook with and then it poisons you. Yeah. That that's zinc poisoning. So um, I work around galvanized pipe all the time because I'm an electrician. So when that is being vaporized in the air, I can smell it. It makes me sick. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been giving myself anxiety attacks for the last couple weeks because I've been taking Fuck. too much vitamin D. That's uh, you know, there's there's some sort of bukkake joke there with taking too much vitamin D, but. <laughs> In in your situation, it's not it's not as cool or as fun, um, but man, uh, it's crazy because I've been, you know, hanging in there. This quarantine and all this has been weird because I finally kind of like broke quarantine and saw a few people, and uh, I was telling you a little bit off air mm-hmm. that we went to V's aunt's yesterday and did a bunch of power washing and like got her house straightened up a little bit and just tried to just tried to help around it was her 50th birthday you know they're trying to celebrate or whatever and she had a couple like one or two friends over and you know everybody kind of kept apart or whatever we're all still near each other but um it was a really good time it was it was a mixture of like a lot of hard work and a lot of fun all wrapped up into one day you know and being by the beach is nice. Like, you know, you can look out at any time and see the water, and you're just like, damn, this is mm-hmm. whatever. Like, I don't even care. I see fucking water. That's cool. You know, like, I'm all right. So, uh, you know, we were doing that, and uh, I realized, man, that being 33, you can't just throw your shit around anymore. It doesn't yeah. work that way. And I don't mean, like, flinging poo like a monkey. I mean, like... You can't thrust your body like a young gun who can play all these sports. Like, I was running and playing badminton, and I was going to hit the birdie, and I dove, thinking, oh, this is no big deal. And as soon as I landed, it was an oof, and I went, oh, fuck, I'm really going to feel that tomorrow. And guess what? Right now is tomorrow. And spoiler alert, folks, I was right. I feel like (laughs) shit today. Like... I feel like a two-ton brick smacked me in the back really fucking hard from a really far distance, swung off a really strong, powerful rope that can hold a two-ton brick. I don't know why the brick is two-ton, but it fucking is for some reason. Yeah. It's a power brick. But, uh... No, other than that, man, I've just been hanging in there, and uh, I will say I'm just going to excite your brain meats and get you all happified. Because you have been asking me, begging me, demanding me, god damn it, for almost three months to watch Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. And it has finally happened. <laughs> What'd you think? I loved it. It was brilliant. Like, it is an absolute banger of a movie. The story is good, it's genuine, it's sweet, it has a point. Um, they have a couple really 
very clever cameos. Uh, you have the race that Knuckles is in the very beginning of the movie, which I thought was really fucking cool. And then you get like a more actualized Robotnik late late in the movie, as it were. I'm not gonna try to spoil that too much, but like the the whole thing was brilliantly done. You know what I couldn't stop thinking about the whole movie though. What's up? Okay, so I'm watching the movie, and, and you know, shitty Cyclops is on screen. And he's actually great in the movie. I thought Donut Lord was fantastic. Oh, he's like, fantastic. He he killed it. And I like James Marsden for the most part. I just give him shit for being Cyclops because I thought he did a weak job. But anyways, I was sitting there thinking the whole time, they almost really fucked this all up. We all were going to go see this movie and go, oh my god, the movie was great, but Sonic looked like a fucking turd and no one wants to see it. Right. That close. I mean, you can't see it if you're a listener because you're, you're just, you, you're listening, you can't, but I'm putting like my hand, like t- teeny tiny together, Tyler can see it. It was that close to being a trauma of a film. And they listened to the fans and they did a, a great service. It did... Two things, because here's another thing. It also really helped Jim Carrey, because he looks like a bajillion bucks as Dr. Robotnik. I mean, that was like, when I when I watched it, the thing I thought about him as Robotnik is I was like, fuck, he's pulling little parts of almost every other character he's ever played. There are little parts of Riddler in there, little parts of Ace Ventura, little parts of Cable Guy, like... It's all in there as one egoman. It's it's almost like Jim Carrey unleashed his own inner evil and is just himself, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. And it was just perfect. Uh, I really, 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 really appreciate the effects they put into Sonic, like when they had him go like supersonic blue and shit, and the power surges and stuff. I just I loved how they visualized a lot of things in the movie. Um. But, man, we haven't really talked about this on the show, so now I can ask you back, what did you think of the movie? Other than you told me a million times to watch it. I loved Sonic the Hedgehog, and I think part of the reason why I enjoyed it so much um, is, you know, like I said, when we when we first started talking about it way, way back, um, you know, I, I appreciated the fact that that they they went the extra mile and, and fixed something that they that we pointed out as a mistake and and they acknowledged it and said yep you know what we we almost messed up so thank you fans we're gonna do a better job um, please go see our movie and a lot of people went and saw it um, it did very well in the box office I think it's doing really well as far as Blu-ray sales I tried to look that's what I was trying to look up while we were um, uh, beginning the show and I couldn't really get anything concrete, but I think it's doing really well as far as um, Blu-ray and digital sales are going, and it's a kid's movie. I think that's what a lot of people that I've talked to that disliked it thought, that it was that it was a movie made for them, and in a way it is, but at its core, this is a children's movie. This is Detective Pikachu. This is... Um, you know, onward. This is this is a this is a children's movie with a with the expectation that a nostalgic adult is going to go watch it. And so it if a home you run can, on both fronts, yeah, exactly. And you know, like there's people that bitch like, why is Sonic Fortnite dancing? Well, he's not Fortnite dancing. Um, 
that is called the floss. And it's it is been a around dance. for a long yes. time. It's not A lot like, longer than fucking Fortnite. Just because it's associated with Fortnite doesn't make it the Fortnite dance. Like, let's, let's get off our boomer high horse and let's move on from that. You know, like, it's just good. Marsden was good. All the supporting characters were good. Jim Carrey was fucking terrifying in that movie. Oh, absolutely. Like, there, there, is, there is more than one scene in that movie where he could have went real dark, and because it was a children's movie, he couldn't, you know? So Pin, your, pin yourself against the wall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just... Oh, my God. Agent Stone, pin yourself <laughs> against the wall. You're just like, oh, there's a little poop dribble, dribbling down my leg right now. Yep. I mean, it's... Yikes. And then, especially like if you look at, at at some of the stuff that Jim Carrey said, especially you know they're filming the, or they're they're starting pre production on the sequel, um, or ramping up to pre production. I saw the article the other day. I don't Which know if you saw I it or not. I can't even believe the day before the day after I watched that they announced the sequel, and I saw it the day before. Like the timing of that is absolutely bizarre to me. Yep. But but yeah, man, Jim Carrey Jim Carrey wants to fully like fully suit up to become. Like Sonic the Hedgehog's Doctor Robotnik, like not uh, not what we saw in 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 the first one. What the we real Eggman. Yes, he wants to be you know with a big like prosthetic suit. Like he wants to be fucking Eggman, you know. And um, pretty easy I, to I, tell what the story they could tell to make that happen would be. Well, I mean, they can go any direction they want. Like, they don't... Like, you remember the TV show when it was all, like, the, the Chaos Emeralds and shit like that? Like... Yeah. Like the, they don't have to do any of that. Like, nope. c- continue continue the story of these rings. Why the fuck... Why the fuck are the Echidnas trying to kill Sonic the Hedgehog? Like, yeah. at the beginning of the movie, why do they want... Why do they want these rings so bad? Ooh, they're... Where's that's my that's my great question is how and when will we be introduced to Tails? And is that gonna be a they go to a different world and bring him back or yeah. he finds his way because a portal has been opened, you know? Uh okay, so then I wanna say really quickly, I loved how uh Sonic had his own little house underground with all mm-hmm. a whole bunch of cool nostalgic shit he stole or taken from right. different various places and, and it's very cool and kind of old school but the one thing that got me man like the moment that i knew for like and it was obviously the whole movie was very enjoyable and i but you have the fear that they're gonna fuck it up somehow Mm -hmm. so until you seal the deal you don't know and they seal the deal in such a manner that i like air high five in myself like Ollie was like just like watching. He'd already seen it, so he knew what was going on. But I was like, "Oh my god, this is great!" You know, because they actually had Sonic beat Robotnik, like Robotnik gets beat in Sonic games, with him mm-hmm. bouncing over top of him over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until he explodes. It was absolutely brilliant. Okay, now I do want to ask because I didn't get a good glimpse of it. Son, there's that little map thing that Sonic pulls out where the rings can take him you know and like it only shows that i think one or two times in the movie i didn't get a good look but there's got to be easter eggs to other like places like like the pokemon world maybe and and stuff like that because 
I felt like the mushroom world that they went to was a nod to Mario without really being Mario because they couldn't quite use Mario. Um, while also, you know, just being an uninhabited world at the same time. Uh, but I don't know. I just feel like I missed a bunch of like little, I need to watch it like three times more to really soak it all in. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I mean, I've got the, the map pulled up from Twitter. Um, like in the bottom right, there's an emerald. So that's a reference to the chaos emeralds. The, all the places that he's went. And then there's four left. So I don't know. I mean, looking at them, or I'm sorry, there's three, there's four left, including the mushroom planet. Um, with the image that I've got, I can't see, I can't really can see what, uh, I can try. Sure. Let's see if we can do it, folks. We're trying to do some technologying right now as we talk about the Sonics. Right, That's probably only like a... You did? Mm-hmm. Oh, now I am receiving it. Now I am checking it. So this is what this is what all the, the, the locations on that map are supposed to be as far as, like, Easter eggs. The one in the center is Sonic, is Hedgeho is Sonic the Hedgehog 1's South Island. And then okay. two, the one at the very top that's got the X through it, it's like a circle with like a squiggly S going around it. Yep, I see it. That's the Sega Saturn logo. Okay. Clever. And then here comes the sun, a world in development. So this was a... Uh, there's like a loop-to-loop -loop in an original game where that little goofy sun is on top of it. Okay. The fourth one is supposed to be uh doesn't really say. The mushroom planet's mm. supposed to be a reference to Mushroom Hill. I don't know. This is all like guesstimation stuff, so like the Sega Saturn one, that one's obviously easy to see. That's just cool and, and kinda clever. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I don't know, man. I just, uh, I really loved this movie. They did everything they could to satisfy fans. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a, and you know what you said? It's a kid's movie, but it does a great job of satisfying the nostalgia for adults. Like, as soon as I got done watching the movie, I told the girls, I was like, you guys are going to like that movie. It's really good. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm actually surprised at how much I enjoyed it, you know? Like, because I like Sonic, but I... I really like Sonic now. Like that was really great. I was really, really thrilled with it. Yeah, it was um, dope. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Sign me up for the sequel. I'm all about it. Hopefully, we get Tails. And then, would you do the third? Would you introduce Knuckles in the third one? And he's like the bounty hunter out to get Sonic after all these years. Or would you uh, do it in the second one? Fuck, bring them both in. Um, 
in the second movie. Like, we don't need to have a Sonic trilogy, you know? But they're gonna. I mean, right. let's just be real. They it, the one, they know they can make money now because it was successful and because they did the fan service. Now they know their their formula. They just follow the formula. Yeah. So, and you have Jim Carrey who's going to go absolutely bonkers. I love that. Let's do a little rock connaissance. Ha! And he's uh, got the fucking mustache all wonked out. Oh yeah, and you know I think it'd be great if that you know he lives on in the in the mushroom planet for however long and finds his way back, but all he's eaten is these mushrooms, so he's very pompous and large. He becomes very giant size, you know. Yeah, I I, yeah. I really look forward to it. I think I think it's gonna be, you know, a cool. I still haven't seen Detective Pikachu, but oh, dude. For first of all, it's. Like, every time I go and try and buy it, like, at a store, it's expensive, and they don't have it. And two, I don't really have, uh, like, a like something pulling me to watch Detective Pikachu. I wanted sure. to watch Sonic the Hedgehog real bad. For sure. So. I understand that, yeah. Uh, I will say Detective Pikachu is a badass watch. I was very stoked on it. Uh makes me think of how speaking of things that are new in the world and topical dude HBO Max is the shit it's like absolutely insane HBO Max say that again I said HBO Max is the shit that's what everybody's saying like okay so the the here's what I really like about it more than anything else. Okay, while I get it, Disney Plus does something kind of like this, where up in the top it's got Marvel and Star Wars and all that, and you can select that way, and that's their quote unquote hub. But it's only five things. HBO Max, you go into their fucking list. There's an HBO hub, Studio Ghibli hub, fucking Crunchyroll hub, uh, Cartoon Network hub, uh, Adult Swim hub. Turner Classic Movie Hub, DC Hub, fucking, they have all these different hubs that you go to, and then there's tons and tons, I mean, insane amount of stuff from day one, like, it was too good not to pass up, we, you know, have canceled a few other things, wanted to get HBO because it has so much different content, oh, and I didn't even mention this, it's got the Doctor Who library from Modern Era Who, so it's, you know, it's a humongous, like, absolute home run for, you know, the ultimate kind of nerd. I will say the DC library in some forms is lacking. There's some stuff I'm shocked isn't there. Your Dark Knight trilogy is not on there yet. They do have the more recent stuff. I don't think Man of Steel is on there yet, but Justice League and Batman v Superman is. Um, they don't have all the CW shows yet, but that's... That's something to be expected because those are still purchased and in their contracts with their, you know, Netflix or whoever. So at some point, those contracts will expire and those things will end up on HBO Max and that library is going to be insanely massive. And it also allowed me to finally watch Godzilla King of the Monsters. What did you, how did you feel about that? I thought it was real good. Okay, so. The story with the humans is only, like, 50% good. Like, there's there's parts of it I like, there's parts of it I don't. Uh, 
And, and I don't like any of it. Well, okay, it's fair all bad. enough. But the monster fights, the epicness of all that, the places they took us, like being in Godzilla's fucking like regeneration chamber, essentially. That's pretty dope. Holy shit. I was, as a fan of Godzilla, oh, and let me tell you that. On Turner Classic Movies, every Godzilla movie on HBO Max, every single one. Okay, like, that's pretty dope. Go- Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, Godzilla Mothra, it's all there. It's amazing. So, I fucking loved Godzilla King of the Monsters. Like, there are so many different moments. I was just like, holy shit, this is going crazy. One of my favorite parts, and I, I remember... When I watched it, I said, I need to remember to bring this up on the show. Don't be an idiot and forget. Remember, remember, remember. So I'm remembering Rodan when he first appears and flies over the city. And people Dude, when are Rodan just... comes up out of the fucking volcano, that's dope. When he's fucking, people are just getting sucked into the vortex of him flying away. And people are just like, ah! you know, just zinging off into the nothing. I was like, that's exactly how it would be. Oh, my God, it's so epic and intense. And then, like... Rodan's fighting on all the different fighter jets and they're leading him to Monster Zero and whatnot. And uh, it was it was a spectacle. It's one of those movies, like I said, I could really give a shit about the whole my son died, daughter dynamic with the dad problems and the mom's a fucking secret supervillain kind of. And, you know, the Lannister dude is there sucking everybody's dick and being weird about it. And, you know, like... All that shit doesn't really matter to me. And then, okay, okay, okay. And I do have one actual complaint. There is one singular issue I have with the Godzilla movie. And uh, was it Zero? I don't remember his name. The Japanese fella. Uh, Um, Man, I can't remember his name. It started with an S. I, I suck. I'm sorry. I'm the worst. Anyways, when he goes to do this, like, sacrifice move, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Th- what is the lead into that? They're in the submarine. They send the fucking drones. As the drones are getting closer, they're like, radiation level's critical. We better stop right here. They stop. They stop. The fucking drones are flying. They start burning out. One by one, the drones are burning out. And then one, like, barely makes it in up under the water and gets through and kind of sees for a second and then craps out, too. Saying that the radiation levels are critical in this area. So, Mm -hmm. when Japanese S-dude, whose name I can't remember, I suck, is walking up the fucking stairs, I'm like, no! No, I watched Chernobyl. He would have melted inside of his fucking suit. He would not have made it. I'm sorry. It's the only part where I, like, I know it's Godzilla. I get it. Monsters aren't real. Suspend the disbelief. I I understand. But if I'm being a picky bitch about it, which right now I am, that's the one thing I'm like, come on. You you tell me the radiation is bad enough. It's going to kill your drones. But your dude in a suit is just going to be fine and not melt inside of that suit like fucking Play-Doh in the sun? Come on Yeah, dude, I get you. I'm right there with you, man. Come on. But those monsters were fucking amazing. Ugh. 
Are they? They're doing a Kong, right? They're doing Zilla Kong next. Yeah. That's awesome. I thought Kong was going to be in this one, and I'm surprised he was not. Well, so the upcoming movie basically makes the the movie that we just had, Godzilla King of the Monsters, not canon anymore. Why are they doing this? I mean, God, it's just Godzilla stories. I don't care if it's canon or not. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I. I don't. I don't understand it. I've tried to read through and and like what some of the decision making is like, like why, like how it changes the canon. I don't really understand it. I don't want to. Like I really don't want to try and understand it. You know, Blaine and I talked about this on podcast for a long, long time ago. I am just a longtime fan of Godzilla. Like, I just want to see giant fucking monsters fight each other. You know who made a better Godzilla movie than the current two Godzilla movies we have? Pacific Rim. It was a better Ooh, Godzilla movie. That. Oh, yeah, it's good. Okay, I'll check it out. I'll definitely check out Pacific Rim. That's one of those movies that when it came out, I think the uh, the campaigning to get people to the theater drove me away. And it, sometimes that happens in movies. I don't know why. Sometimes when the advertising campaigns are out there, they just With don't the first sell one or me. the second one? The first one, because like, I've never even thought about dipping into Pacific Rim because it just didn't seem to interest me. And then, like, you're telling me it's a better Godzilla movie, and my ears perk up because I love the Godzilla series for exactly the reasons I'm telling you. It's for the big spectacle of it all. The, so, the, first, the first Pacific Rim movie, if you, if you try and not think about it as a Godzilla movie and just a campy, monster fight-em-up movie, it's very, very good. Charlie Hunnam's good in it. He's great in it. Idris Elba's great in it. The whole cast is great. Charlie Day is great in it. Um, the second Pacific Rim, not super great. Um, uh, I mean, it's one of those, it's a good example of why, um, man, what's his name? Uh, um, John Boyega is not, like, why I'm not a great, or a big John Boyega fan. His role in Pacific Rim 2 is fucking awful. Like, it's one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Uh-oh. So, yeah. So, I, I, I highly... Re- like, if you are a fan of Godzilla-type movies, of kaijus, you know, trampling on Tokyo, like, Pacific Rim's pretty dope. And 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 realistically, the, the two Godzilla movies that we've got are dope. And uh, Kong Skull Island, that... Now, that was a good movie. Like, you can I say whatever you want. I but- just saw about... A third of that movie the other night, and I really want to see the whole thing now. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see it in theaters. Blaine actually let me borrow it when it came out on Blu-ray. Um, here's here's the problem, and I, I've said this with a lot of franchises, and you know, and I feel like over the last couple months, especially with, with coronavirus and how broad the scope, you know, you and I aren't just talking about comics, and we're not just talking about, like, um, movie studio headlines anymore. Like we've really broadened our horizons because of the lack of of material. But like 
fucking they're Godzilla movies, man. It's not it's not Gone with the Wind. It's not a movie that movie critics in 2064 are going to be like, "Now, you see this classic of of 2019, Godzilla King of the Monsters." <laughs> And this is all the idiosyncrasies uh. of this movie. and uh, Like, that's not going to happen. It's a fucking Godzilla movie. Just watch it. Like, you no know? One and Pacific Rim's the same way. No one ever remembers the human roles in the Godzilla movies. They're all just screaming Godzilla and running, and I know that's probably a terrible well, thing, but, like, that's real. Like, you have to have... In those type of movies, you have to have a human element. You have to have the... The government getting their military involved and, and, you know, we have a new super weapon. Like, if you go back to the very first Godzilla movie, right? Black and white. The first time we hear the, the famous Godzilla theme. Like, they're, they're, they're like, trying to, they're trying to nuke fucking Godzilla with an A-bomb. Like, that whole segment of the movie, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Like, it's entertaining. And then we wouldn't have things like Mecha Godzilla. You know, like, you have to have that human element as far as the military goes. What we didn't need was um, Millie Bobby Brown at all. Like, see you later. Um, The human element just didn't get me. I was just like, get off the fucking screen, back to Godzilla. Yeah. You could have done a three... You could have done a three-hour movie of them in a literal fucking giant world-shaped ring. Fucking just Godzilla first, standing there. Gauntlet match. Here yep. comes fucking Mothra. They fight a little bit, but she secretly is all cool and then takes off. Here comes Rodan. Oh, then that happens. Then, oh, here comes Kong. You know, whatever. You could do anything. It would be amazing. Mm-hmm. But... It doesn't need, I mean, the hu- like you said, the human element's there because we as people, like, kind of um, relate to that, obviously, because we're people. But I don't know. I think that if I were to do a Godzilla movie, I would have very few scenes with humans where you see them up close, like their faces and dialogue. And anytime you saw people... You know, first time you watch it, you don't know this, but right before, right when you see them, they're probably getting ready to die because Godzilla's mm. either going to destroy whatever they're in, eat them, they're going to have debris fall on them from the chaos that's happening around fucking Godzilla and whatnot, you know, all those elements. So it'd only be like, what the hell's that noise? Crunch, and then he's fucking dead, and that's all. That's all you need, and then it's back to Godzilla just fucking wrecking the city, and you're like, oh my god, the terror. Because that's what you want. You want it to just be fucking terrifying. Like you can't escape the chaos and the and the and the what you just said. You said it. Giant fucking monsters fighting. Yeah, it's it's a giant monster movie, man. Let's not make it hard. Doesn't have to be. It. it but I I did love Godzilla King of the Monsters for the fighting elements and the and and that spectacle. I'm trying to think. I don't think I've really seen much anything else. Uh, you know, new on the radar as of late. Uh, I I did uh, you know rewatch '89 Batman on HBO Max because that was fun. You know, because you have it, you might as well. The oh, they have a whole Looney Tunes catalog, by the way. I forgot to mention that. They have what? Like, 
the entire Looney Tunes catalog, mm. like dating back to the 30s, like the very, very first ever black and white fucking Looney Tunes. Wow. It's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, That's pretty extensive. So I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here, T.Y., because this is extensive. You talk about their library being extensive. This is extensive. Let's talk about how extensive it is when three boys, I can't believe I have to read this headline to you, three boys let a black widow spider bite them in an effort to gain superpowers. Yep. Yeah. Um, in Bolivia, these three boys, brothers raging from 8 to 12 years old, found the black widow. Um, their mother was collecting wood. They happened to find the spider. They provoked it. The venomous creature bit them. And then, of course, they started exhibiting symptoms of getting a spider bite, which was severe muscle pain, abdominal cramps, increased heart rate, and muscle spasms. Mm-hmm. They were taken to the hospital and given medicine, and they ended up in the hospital for five days. Um, after and they were they they were actually getting worse in those five days, and only got better after they were actually given the serum to cure the venom of the black widow. Um, mm. So yeah, uh, technically Spider Man is a bad influence on kids in Bolivia. Well, we need to just uh, we need to be vigilant, and we need to not, um, not let spiders bite us for fun. No, let's, it's let's, uh, not fun. Let's, let's focus. Like, let's not let's not do that. Okay, I I have a funny story for you that I don't think I've shared on the podcast yet. You're gonna laugh your ass off at this. So the other day we had to leave to go get Ollie from his dad's. We get in the car. And I'm like looking for my fucking shades and I find my shades and I go to put my shades on. And as I'm putting my shades on in the corner of my eye, I see this thing come down the wire right in front of me. It's a fucking spider and it lands on my body and it's crawling. And I'm like, oh, and I flick it off me. So then I'm like, oh, there was a spider. So I jump out of the car and I'm like patting myself down. I'm running around. This is all on my security camera, by the way. I need to find the footage. I'm like, ah, ah. I'm like patting myself down all over. Okay. I'm. Still panicked from this spider, I turn around to get in the car, and something jumps away from the car, and I fucking lose it and dive away from the car. Ah! It was a frog. It was just a little fucking tiny frog. V sitting in the fucking passenger seat, dying laughing. Nate, I would, uh, not only would I laugh at you, I would not let you in the car. Well, I would have locked the the doors so you had to contend with the frog and the spider. I mean, I don't mind frogs. It was just that I wasn't ready for a frog to do anything because I didn't see his ass there. So when he jumped, he scared the fucking life out of me. Oh, that's funny. I mean, it was it was terrifying. I was it was not funny. It was the reverse of funny. Um, But back to the news, to be fair, Uh, this is interesting and I want to get your take on it. Because this has big, big implications. Okay. J.K. Simmons has been contracted to appear in multiple Spider-Man movies as J. Jonah Jameson. Multiple. Not he appeared in Far From Home and just the next one is the last one. Mm -hmm. Multiple. So let's get it. It says... um, 
We signed on for the first movie. We signed a contract to do two sequels as well, which uh, is always a one-side, well, not in my case, a one-sided contract where you're committed to do it, but they're not necessarily committed to use your character in the ensuing movies. So he is saying, unlike that, this time they're guaranteeing he will be used in several more movies. So Far From Home was his first one. Two sequels is three, and then another one that we've only heard that the next one is the last one. That's all, all we've been told. Well, here's here's something to think about. So who's to say that he doesn't make an appearance in the the upcoming Venom movie, right? Oh, okay. That that could be. Because, I mean, realistically, technically, isn't a Venom movie also a Spider-Man movie? Well, right now, I think kind of, yeah. I mean, that's the way you have to look at it. Right now, you have, and this is no pun intended, a very symbiotic relationship with Marvel and Sony Mm -hmm. where they're kind of working hand-in-hand to get money hand over fist, uh, you know, because they've realized, like, the fans think Spidey is important. Mm -hmm. We don't want to see them go through another reboot. We don't want to have to fucking undo everything the MCU worked for and all of the fucking groundwork they laid of having this huge continuity aside from you, Ed Norton, and fucking uh, Terrence Howard. Sorry, guys. Um, they, They laid a very, 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 very strong ground with this every actor being the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And for them to just say, okay, well, Tom, you know, we're going to change the vision. You were never really in the MCU. It was a dream. You know, you just imagined that Tony Stark killed himself for the good of humanity. You know, like, that didn't really happen. Just let it go. Like, that would have fucking ruined everything and just felt like a kick in the dick. Mm-hmm. So now they're kind of going, oh, we should keep working together because the longer we do that, the more money we make. And at one point, Disney's probably just going to buy Sony out anyways, or at least the rights to Spider-Man out outright when they get to a certain margin that they know, like, listen, we can be making even more money hand over fist if we have complete control. So, I mean, I don't know what the future holds, but I'm I'm, excited. I'm vibing vibing everything that you're saying. Like, um, it's just tough because, especially with his role as J. Jonah Jameson, you know... If it's just a Spider-Man movie, right? Let's let's just let's narrow like narrow the parameters to where it's just a Spider-Man movie. How big of a role does he need to have to justify having an appearance? Like in Far From Home, he wasn't in the movie a whole lot. He's but, in there just in the after credits, right? But his position in the or his um his role in the movie solidified his place in the story. Could you have done that ending? with just, like, his voice and not his actual cameo appearance. I don't think it would have had the same effect. I don't think it would have had the same weight. So, now with the sto- with the, with the, the story that they have essentially set up with Spider-Man where that's at, you know, the Avengers, kind of where they're at. Sorry, I just smacked my mic. Um... You know, we don't really know how this next Venom movie's going to shake out because we obviously haven't seen that yet. So, who's to say that we don't see at least one cameo there? A lot of unknowns. I, I do really appreciate, though, that the studio has kept him, or, or Disney and Marvel have essentially kept him the same 
because like I don't know, like when you were a teenager and when you saw the first couple of Spider-Man movies, like I know what vision I had in my mind. He fits it. Like absolutely, he's like they peeled the image of J. Jonah Jameson off the fucking comic book and threw it through the screen for him to magically become human form, and it was just it just happens to be that guy that looks exactly like that. Mm-hmm. And the good thing I mean, too is it doesn't matter how old he gets because you can just you can just you can you can alter the story or his role in. The Daily Bugle or whatever other project J. Jonah Jameson is involved in to cater to his age of character. Like, it doesn't have to be. I don't know. It doesn't have to be middle aged J. Jonah, like at all. Because it doesn't matter. I mean, oh, you're right. You're, you're right because he can be. He's a, he's a big player because right now he is playing the role of. Owning Spider-Man to the world. And it's in a way that's not expected because some saw Mysterio as the hero. Mm-hmm. Really, he's the villain, but not everybody's privy to that knowledge because he's really good at faking stuff. Even faking the voice that said he was dead because that was not... he was He's not really dead, I don't believe. I think he's still very much a player in all this. Mm-hmm. Um, but J. Jonah Jameson outing... Uh, Spidey puts a lot of interesting things as positioning on the table. Does it position J. Jonah Jameson to get his job back or to get his job at all at the Daily Bugle? Is that why he gets the job there? Which then leads to, you know, Parker kind of going undercover and having to be more Peter Parker. There are so, there's so many different things you can play with and possibilities. I will say... One storyline I feel like the more I read it, the more I want to see it on the screen because it just is driving me absolutely bonkers is uh, is Craven's Last Hunt. Spoiler alert, we're still reading it. Mm-hmm. We didn't forget about it. We're back this week. We're going to do a back-to-back with two issues, t- tackling them both. They're very, per- they're very pertinent to each other in- well, in- I- within their kind of story. I personally feel like issue two, issue three could be one issue cuz they're both kind of short they're both they're both essentially the same obviously it's all one continuation of a story but issue 2 issue 3 i think could be combined into one to just shorten to shorten the series a little bit but you know that's that's a minor gripe well and it's easier to sell a six part saga than a five part saga yeah <laughs> So they were like, okay, we'll make a little extra money and split this story in half because, Mm -hmm. you know, really to not – we don't absolutely need to peel super deep into the story other than talk about the major talking points of what's happening because obviously Craven has buried Spider-Man or Parker and is gallivanting about in the black suit. You know, we get the scene of this lady getting drugged into the sewers and then get introduced to Vermin. Uh, in Vermin's introduction, you know, it's a quick tease. He's grotesque. He's this sewer uh, creature thriving, and, and the way he talks is fucking weird and funny. He's and kind then, of he's kind of like like the rat version of Killer Croc to me. Yes. Yes, that's a perfect analogy. Yes. He is absolutely uh, like a, a... He's a... He's, 
man, I wish those two could live in the same universe. Okay. 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 I sent okay, you something, on. I'm Nate. I'm checking something out. I know I'm looking. I'm trying to look. <laughs> okay. I thought you could oh, do okay. it without, without totally stopping. It's okay. It was uh, a, a, a giant fail on my behalf. But no, go ahead. You are fine. So, you know, with with vermin appearing, uh, you get this tease of of this creature that's maybe abducting women, possibly, uh, and eating people. You know, it's kind of crazy. Uh, and then we flash to MJ, and MJ's looking out the window longingly. She's waiting for Peter to come home, and you know, she's waited for Peter to come home before. So it's not really anything new, but this time. The feeling is different. She's not really sure of herself. She's a little taken aback, and 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 she can't stop thinking Peter's dead. And she just is. She's almost laughing at it that it's not it's not real. But then she starts to almost get angry that then when she sees this rat, which is you know kind of an analogy for vermin, but not really. She freaks out and kills it with a shoe, and then she runs off in, in sadness and fear. Uh, you know, when we move to Craven hunting and then back to the palace where he's trying to get the essence of the spider. He's still getting jacked on the spider goo, as it were, doing his very best and uh, getting rib pains because he's drinking this spider goo and it's going to make him shit his guts out later. It's not going to be a very pretty sight. Uh, he also fights this giant spider essence thing that we've seen a couple times here. And we then we jump, you know, jumping back to the vermin. Uh, we run through his kind of, we understand more why Vermin has a, uh, a vendetta against Spider-Man and it's because the last time, and I need to, I'm not sure which issue it was, but the last time that Vermin appeared, he fought Spider-Man and Captain America and he's actually trying to recall those moments and I just, I love just the, the, the creepy nature of his of his of his voice like lick 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 the little fingers good 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 mm, tasty stuff where are this buried I I I know that what's what's it called news newspaper ah, pictures are wonderful I could not I like it not real you know like he's like really fast paced and 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 doesn't really have it all together um, but he's he's you know uh, recalling because he is seeing the newspaper he sees. The crawly insect man, as he calls him, and he sees Spider-Man, and that triggers him. Oh, that's what happened. Spider-Man beat me last time, and that sends him into a rage for a minute. And, you know, the next thing I want to talk about, I want to actually wait for D.Y. to come back from his short bathroom break, because uh, it, was a, it was a really fucking hilarious moment that uh, happens in the book, and um, I wanted to get his take on it as well, but, you know... In this book, just to even go back a little bit, I love the panels where uh, Craven is drinking the spider goo, because it he like he's going near it and then he just kind of sticks his tongue in it and it immediately makes him wretch. He immediately is like, you know, and he's immediately hurting and he's like he can't stop till he consumes the spider. He's trying to become the spider, think like the spider, you know. He's uh, he's doing his his very 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 
very best to uh, to really break through. And I, I just, I love that he's hallucinating. You know, he's having this crazy hallucination of this giant spider monster coming out of the nothing made of spiders. And he's trying to defeat it and, you know, pr definitely breaking shit inside of his house. Um, so, uh, and then, and then also to talk a little bit, I guess I'm going to just cover this stuff a little more in depth because T.Y. is gone for a moment. But, uh, the Mary Jane stuff in this issue is very intense because they put her in predicaments we've seen her in before, but as a fan, we know that the circumstances have changed. So now that T.Y. is coming back to the fold, welcome back, good sir. I'm here. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually to the, I'm actually to the, there's a very specific panel I wanted to wait to discuss with you. Okay. Uh, where Vermin has realized and remembered through looking at the newspaper, Spider-Man put him in the sewers the last time with Captain America. Mm -hmm. And then he decides he's going to ascend. I think it's the very next page. Is mm -hmm. his, He's, he's going to go up. And I absolutely died laughing because he's all gung-ho and ready to go out and find Spider-Man. He opens the sewer. The first thing that happens is a spider crawls down on off of the fucking manhole and he just drops it in fear. Clank. Just like, oh God, I can't. And I love the eyes just open huge. Like, oh my God, the spider's watching. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and then he goes back down to eat on a rat, which is disgusting. Um, MJ, uh... This situation probably doesn't play out like this in 2020. Mm -mm. Totally different because people don't talk like that to women so much anymore. At least well, I hope not. They do. They just get. They get. I mean, they get the fuck beat out of them when they do. Yeah, yeah. That's that's well said. But um, what did you think of the the hallucinations that uh, Craven's having from getting even more jacked up on that spider goo? Dude, it's like at the beginning of this issue, right? Like you start this, you're 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 at an all time low. Spider Man's fucking dead. Like Craven is crawling around in the black suit, which is weird. Like obviously he's not swinging from place to place, but he's doing the Craven hop. You know, we should make that a dance move, the Craven hop. Um, Ooh. But you know, we get introduced to Vermin, and he's fucking weird, and like the the. The shit that he's saying's not making sense, and we see Mary Jane, and it's like she's talking to herself, and it's weird. Like it's it, like the beginning of this this issue is just it's all over the place, and it's weird. And then you we get to that panel where or the page where Craven is crawling back into his mansion in the black suit, and then he crawls like into the Hall of Wonders, where there's all this hallucinogenic shit. And he's like stripping off his clothes and he's lapping up the spider goo like a dog. Like, it's fucking weird, man. And then he starts yeah, hallucinating just... and it gets more and more fucking weird. Yeah, I, when you were gone, I was talking about like a couple of things you just said and how, you know, MJ has the almost foresight. She feels Peter's death, mm 
mm-hmm. and she's like laughing about it until she realizes she feels it because she knows it's true. Mm-hmm. It's different from every other time. But then one thing I loved about the uh, the Craven thing is he he laps up the spider goo and immediately retches. Mm-hmm. It's like he 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 hates the taste, but he knows it's necessary to continue his journey. Yep. Um, and then he fights this giant fucking crazy spider creature and he's immediately he's full of fear but then he's like he starts to almost become the darkness i think Mm -hmm. as he's hallucinating and then i love the crossover where they kind of bring vermin back to the forefront and he's like intertwined in these panels Mm mm-hmm and I don't know if that's supposed to, and and I, I don't know what you, what your thoughts on this are, but like, is that supposed to make us feel that Vermin is a vision that Craven is having, that he needs to go solve that problem, or are we just led to believe that this is its own moment that's happening concurrently with what's happening with Craven? See, this is one of the things before we we started the show that I'm that that I was confused about that I didn't really understand because Craven, you know, Craven's doing the hallucinogenic thing. You know, we go through a couple panels. He's fighting the the spider hallucination, and then we get Vermin, and he says, "Who's there? Who's calling? What do you want with me? Why are you calling me? Why?" And then the next panel is Craven, like, you know all spider gooed up. Um, and I don't know if... Because what I think is, you know, we keep seeing the image of the spider and the rat on top of Peter's grave. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, every few pages we get the spider and the rat are dancing closer and closer to each other. Mm-hmm. And I feel like... Ooh, it's ba- symbolism. Yeah, I feel like basically from the grave, Peter is calling to Verbin to, to come fucking get him, basically, is what I feel. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay, I like that. Uh, and at at of this point we- in time, because the like Craven Craven is on this he's on a walkabout right now. You know, he got some bad he got some bad ayahuasca, like some shit's going down. And I don't He's really understand. I don't. I don't really understand how Craven hallucinating the way that he is would be c- connected to vermin at all at that moment. You know what I mean? Correct. Because it, it, there, there's more revealed later. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. But um, it's like Craven facing himself, having to tangle with becoming the spider and 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 just accepting it, and then we lead into Mary Jane on the street and she step essentially steps on vermin. So vermin happens to be in the same spot MJ is. So he's picking up on maybe Spider-Man since I'm unsure, but you know, these guys attack MJ. They're probably going to try to like rape her or do something fucked up. Mm-hmm. And then here, Oh, here comes Spider-Man, you know? And of course, as the reader, you're like, not Spider-Man. Well, I really, before we go any further, here's some more of that vermin uh, Craven crossover because, you know, 
like vermin is pointing out they're scared i can smell it but what are they scared of each other no something else i can smell it so craven is fucking honed in on mary jane for some reason he's coming he's coming to save the day but vermin knows what's going on at that moment in time those two dudes are afraid of spider-man showing up like subconsciously and vermin can smell it yeah, he picks up the fear on him, mm-hmm. and it's like a beacon. Uh, so, Spider-Man does show up. Obviously, it's Craven, who doesn't just like, oh, web him up, it's cool, dudes. He beats the literal fuck out of these guys. Beats them to a bloody pulp. I mean, as he should, but not a typical Spider-Man move. He's not, that's not mm-hmm. his his play. So, you know, Mary Jane screams, stop it. And then he just takes off. And that's when she realizes, like, oh, that guy in the suit was not my husband. That was mm-hmm. not Peter Parker. Something is wrong. And I will say, here's the the one thing I thought was strange about issue two. They just end it with vermin climbing. Like, talk about anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. It's just him coming out of the sewer and climbing up to go into the city, and then we He's get going. this. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and then we just get the Spider-Man grave picture with the spider on it, and that's it. I was expecting more from this issue, for sure. Yep, me too. But, wow. I mean, what Vermin is doing right now kind of validates what I thought in the beginning of the issue, that somehow Spider-Man is fucking saying, hey, bro, come get me, Ratman. Like... I mean, that's where he's headed, so. Yeah, I I do see it. And then, of course, reading issue two, I was immediately like, well, now I need to know what the fuck happens in issue three. Yep. That's that's part of the reason why I said I feel like two and three should have been one book. Absolutely agree with that. Uh, This one's cool because it's a lot of exposition as from the perspective of inside Craven's inner monologue. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a lot of him talking to himself being Mm Spider-Man. And he's doing things to save the city, kind of. He's beating up thugs, but he's taking it, again, way beyond Parker and way beyond anything Pete has ever done. Breaking guys' necks, putting them through windows. I mean, he's going all out. Well, and one thing that I I thought was really, like, you know, he he did the, the, like... So if we go back a couple panels, the one where we see the Craven getting drowned in his fear, basically, and then Vermin, and then the rat and the spider in the bottom of the panel. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a couple things of dialogue here that I want to point out. Craven is saying in his inner monologue, "Don't panic. Fear eats you. Fear murders you. Remember what you're doing." And it's all the fear bubbles, you know, blah blah blah. But to become Spider-Man, you must absorb the essence of Spider-Man. You must let in Spider-ness, surrender to it. And Craven is fighting against it in this instance. He says, I am Craven." Then if you go forward two pages, when he lands, you know, we see Mary Jane being accosted by the two thugs. When he lands, there's a little orange bubble that says, I am the spider. And then, you know, we go a page, go another page. He's crawling up the wall. It says, I am the spider. That's like a mantra that's now repeating in his, that in his inner monologue. He has to justify to himself that he is the spider. Otherwise, he isn't. 
Yeah, he's it's uh he's faking it till he makes it. Mm-hmm. He is the spider. I love that. Yeah, because we, you know, I'll just go ahead and get right into issue three. But you know, just just real quick, in the in the second page of issue three, that that mantra is still being repeated. I am the spider. There it is. Yep. So, um, do we wanna do we wanna rate issue two? Yeah. Okay. Honestly, here's the thing. I think issue two is a bad solo issue. Mm-hmm. It's a good half of an issue. I give it two and a half stars because it's incomplete. Yep. I think that if you put it with issue three, which we're gonna get into here in a second, more completes the story, makes it more of a wholesome thing. I would give that more of a, like a four point five yep. if they were together. But totally they're not. Agree. So, so I think that you have a lot of like setup here that maybe leaves people like, what the fuck. If you were just a random reader of Spider-Man and just bought this issue, you would be so fucking lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would have no fucking idea what's going on at all. You're like, um, okay, what? One thing that I do, I do want to point out, as always, you know, love the art. Like, excuse me, it, it it'll be it'll be like a like a momentous day when when you and I review a comic series, and I'm like, dude, I fucking hated this art. It was awful. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for that to happen. I don't but, know when it'll happen, if ever. But I mean, yeah. I, like always, I have to point out we've got a super dope cover with Craven in his traditional stuff. You know, basically like celebrating on the grave of Spider-Man, but it also looks like he might be mourning and lamenting the death of Spider-Man, especially with the way that the last issue ended. You know, it's so there's a lot of symbolism in these in, in, in this series so far, just through issue one, issue two, that it, it, it's kind of constantly taking you on an emotional roller coaster, much like I think that is going on inside of Craven's mind, you know, trying to justify to himself that he is the spider. Um, but like you said, you put it perfect. If you were just a random passerby and you picked up this issue, you would ha- you would be so fucking confused that I think that you lose a lot of that symbolism and in the nitty gritty of the story, um, so yeah, it's tough. Two and a half stars, totally agree. You're, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, there are parts of it that are good, but mm-hmm. the parts that are left unexplained make you need more, and 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 I definitely need more. That's why I continued to read on. And issue three, which was from Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. Uh, issue 131 mm-hmm. uh, was a little bit more actiony. Had again a lot of monologue from Craven in the early part of it. We go back to the grave, and this time there's a spider, no rat, um, which is symbolism for this. But I love him screaming, "I am Craven!" Ripping the mask off of his mm-hmm. head. Because it was like he took and he was a Spider-Man as long as he could handle it. And he had to remember who he was or he was going to lose it. Um, all in all, this issue, you know, you had Vermin coming into play, doing some really weird shit. Yeah. Talking to you, licking that guy. What the fuck? Just licking um, a man. He literally attacks a cop and throws him on the hood of his car and licks his face and says... I love you because he reminds him of his mother. Well, this is a lady cop, right? 
Is it? I think it's a lady cop. Oh, well, then now it's less weird. Yep, it's a lady cop. Okay. Poorly yep. drawn. Terrible yep. execution. Well, if you zoom in, like, my computer is a touchscreen, so I can zoom in. If you look at the page where the cop is saying, just hold it right there, and then he's like, skin so soft, so dark, you know? Um, if you zoom in on that panel, she has earrings on. Like Oh, and he said her name was Marsha mm-hmm. or Martha. Yep. I see it now. Yep, yep, okay. yep. Okay. I did not notice, because I thought the same thing, and then when I read this uh, uh, earlier in the week... I actually had to zoom in at each panel to look at it. I love the I love the way that they drew vermin. Like it's creepy. It's like Nosferatu vampire creepy. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets shot too, and I yep. was like, oh and just man, takes it. he's just like whatever, and then turns around and just gets to Warren, going for that lick. Gross, disgusting. You know, green, yellow, bile slime coming out of his mouth, uh, and then of course I th- I would have been I would have done the exact same thing. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! How she's like panicked. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's not now, forget too. A guy was eaten by rats. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's not forget the captain, right? Yeah, the cop that that vermin ripped out of the car got fucking annihilated by a whole swarm of rats. Like, oh, what yeah, a bad yeah. way we- to go. That's a pretty brutal day. I don't remember what movie it was. Was that like one of the Fast and the Furiouses? Yeah, it was they the second one. They put a rat one. in a bucket and mm-hmm. then like heated the bo- that has always grossed me out. So yeah. yeah, this is absolutely disgusting. They come out from the sewers and chow down, mm-hmm. and they're scr- they're making their little scree scree noise the whole time. And um, I want to mention the page where she she's like laying on the hood of the car after he's licked her the very bottom of that panel we start seeing uh, more than one spider coming mm-hmm. out of this grave and we're st- and and i think that you know obviously retrospectively looking at the book as a whole it's a tease they're letting you know like keep paying attention to that right but um, especially you go forward four or five more panels and we see that same image again yes yes but more spiders mm mm-hmm. mhm and then back to uh, we find out where the rat went. Craven. Craven captured it from Spider-Man's grave and brought it home. Mm-hmm. And is trying to just fuck around with it with a knife because he's just he knows he's playing with his prey or with mm-hmm. his yeah with his prey. Um. And. Vermin is like called to feeling something's amiss. And then you have uh, this is my favorite panel in this book, by the way. The tonight panel with Craven. Oh, yeah, man. That's gnarly. He's he's like kind of in the Spider Man position. The rain is pouring down. Well, he's totally nude, too. He he's naked. Yeah, I was gonna get there. They they did a clever job of shadowing his cock and balls out. We don't need to see the wild hunters, uh, wild bush. Uh, but uh, then we see the spiders, multiple, mm-hmm. many spider coming from the grave of, of Peter Parker. 
By the way, I want to mention who the fuck was quick and 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 created a uh, uh, gravestone for Parker or Spider Man. Like, is that some job that they they just have villains that do that on the side? They're like, hey man, I can get you a fucking marker. You need to say that, okay? Sure. Craven probably no had it made already. Yeah, that's what I'm saying though. Like, did he have somebody make it? Did he commission somebody to make it? Because isn't that like a little presumptuous? Like, yeah. What What do you want me to do on this? Can you just put R.I.P. Spider-Man killed by me, Craven the Hunter? I wanted to say the Hunter. You probably shouldn't put Craven though, bud, because if you say slain by Craven, they'll know that you that you'll be wanted for murder. Ah, uh, just put the Hunter. People will know. Fuck it. Like. It's weird. It's weird. It doesn't make sense to me. But uh, I love that we get a real confrontation with Vermin and Craven to wrap this issue up. Mm-hmm. And they go to fucking war. But Craven is just playing. You can tell he's not trying. He's nope. not giving it his all at all. When he's all hyped Un- up on spider goo. He's jacked on that spider goo, man. And he, when he turns it up, he turns it up. He mm-hmm. does. He turns it up to 11 and takes over. And, you know, he is still the spider. He's still saying it. Here we are. He's, you know, over top of a defeated vermin. The spider suit ripped half off his body. Still saying, I am the spider in his mm-hmm. head. He's still living it. And to rise up from the lower depths. And I rise up from the lower depths triumphant. And then we get an absolute metric fuck ton of spiders and something starting to peek out of the ground here, T.Y. Mm-hmm. And Parker's grave. I don't know what that is, but something's what? peeking. How how odd is this last panel? Like not only like obviously, you know, it never stops raining in this in this version of New York, apparently, but um we get we get a bum who's, you know, kicking back some, like, Mad Dog 2020 or something. Yeah. And it says, up from the depths, and here comes Craven carrying Vermin off to whatever, because Vermin's not dead, right? Like, I mean, at least he's I don't... utterly defeated. Yeah, I don't think he's dead. Um, but, you know, or, or maybe he drowned him, I don't know, because if you go back, there's, like, goo leaking out of his mouth, so maybe he is dead. Um, that remains to be seen. But we get this panel, and the bum is obviously terrified because here comes Spider-Man, all fucking ripped and torn up, and um, carrying this fucking rat human. Yeah, carrying this rat man. And the last panel that we get is a, is a, even more spiders, and uh, black suit Spider-Man, you know, fist punching his way out of the grave. So pulling a pulling a Freddy Krueger, yep. from uh, Jason Goes to Hell. And I will say this, um, you know, I, I I agree with you. I feel like this issue was definitely better. You know, the the fight scene between Vermin and Craven. That's, I mean, that was pretty dope. Um, absolutely epic. But I really like if you look at the cover for issue four. I wish that was the last scene that we saw instead of just the hand. Yeah. I agree with that. I fully agree with that, especially considering you don't get it until about 
mean to spoil into the next book, you don't get it until about midway into that book. Mm-hmm. You don't get that actual scene. So, it, and book four has a to- like kind of a little different tone, but as far as book three is concerned, and this is where it gets interesting. Book three, I would rate as like a four star book. Yep, I agree. Has a lot of everything that you want. The story's nice. It's already stuff we know is happening. We're deep into this now, so we're, we know what to kind of expect. Mm-hmm. And they keep teasing the unexpected. We have the the grave that's been a constant through this whole entire thing. The imagery of Spider-Man's grave has been part of the book since book one, and they yep. keep it relevant, and I love yeah. it. I love that. It It's brilliant. You know, so when you get, you know, epic fighting and all that, you, you can't, you can't do it better than that, but because of it needing book two to set it up, it gets a little bit of points taken away, and book yep. two was only okay. So, yeah, this is, again, definitely needed to be a two-for-one back then, but we weren't in control of Marvel, so we can't do shit about it. Um, T.Y., what did you think of this book? Four stars as well? I, I totally agree with with both of your your uh, your ratings as far as the book goes. Sure. You know, I I can't. There's so much. Like, if you think about all the times that we, that we interact with Craven the Hunter, it's always like, I'm a Russian and I hunt things and I'm crazy. Like, it just gets more and more weird every time, and I feel like. Of all the weird Craven shit that I've either read or watched or, you know, talked to people about, like this take, like this version of Craven that we get is the peak of that. It is. Oh yeah. It is the best and worst of Craven in every aspect, and you know, there's one panel that we didn't talk about where uh, Mary Jane's having a conversation with somebody, and he's looking at, a, at an issue of the Daily Bugle. And the headline is a picture of Spider-Man in the black suit, so it's Craven. And it says, Spider-Man Berserk. Spider-Man goes on, and then I can't read, you know, I can't read the, the lower line of that. But, you know, and they're talking about it on the news, too. Uh, Martha, or the, the, the police officer that got mauled by the rats is in critical condition. And then the woman, Martha, or Marsha is in, in Marsha Collins is in shock. So, like, there's so many layers of, like, this story that's going on. It's hard to follow all of them at the same time. You know, because if Vermin is dead, you know, not only did he have a very, very small role to play, but why... I don't really understand the purpose of having that character other than giving Craven something else to hunt once Spider-Man's gone. So... I, th- I think he's it's one of those like monster of the week things mm-hmm. where you need some but like like and of course we haven't finished yet so we don't know what's right. to come but vermin if he is deceased and that's the end of the story for him is like well you can't put craven against doc ock or green goblin you have to put him against some weird b villain that spider-man mm-hmm. has only maybe fought one time that's from some other thing so that it's valid. It's it's from the universe, but if we kill this guy, the collateral's not going to be that massive. Oh, we killed Vermin, so what? Right. That's his role. His role is to die in this book because that's the fucking reason we have him. You know, 
but I, I don't know. I, I'm, I, you know, I guess as we continue to read on, we'll have to see. I'm loving this book. Now, I do want to say, T.Y., to just let the listener in on what's going on, next week's 299. Mm-hmm. We're one week and then away from 300. Next week, we'll probably do books four and five and then finish six at 300. Mm-hmm. Uh, so look for that to be coming. We have some plans for 300. We have some guests lined up for 300. We have some things we're going to be doing for 300 all from the comfort of our homes. Thanks, Coronavirus 2020, hmm. you son of a bitch. Um, yeah, man. I don't really have anything. You have anything else to add before we dive out of here? No, I just, I, I, I read, um, I've been reading, like, not ahead in Craven's Last Hunt, but, like, more about it. Because I, I was really curious the other day, like, how long, like, how long this story took. Because, obviously, 1987, um is the time, but I mean, it, it jumps through multiple runs, you know, and I, I want to read this. It's also, it's got an alternate title from Craven's last hunt, fearful symmetry. Really? Yep. Uh, considered one of the greatest Spider-Man stories of all time. I just wanted to read that. Just that one it little snippet to be a movie. Mm hmm. Totally agree. Uh, and of course, um, I, don't, I, I don't know where this story is going, but it goes across Web of Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, and Amazing Spider-Man were the three series I think it runs between. Mm-hmm. Did you know there's a sequel to this? What? Soul of the Hunter was... A sequel to Craven's Last Hunt was published in August 1992 as a 48-page prestige format graphic novel titled Spy- Amazing Spider-Man Soul of the Hunter, written by the same guy. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll have to, we'll have to venture into that at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested, I mean, I know we're jumping a little bit ahead in the game here, but I'm interested to know what we're going to end up reading after we read Craven's Last Hunt, because we've done some Spider-Man back-to-back. We still don't have uh, Abrams' new Spider-Man issue out yet, which I have no idea when we're getting that, if yeah, ever. I, I would say, for anyone that, that is looking to to really, or I'm sorry, anyone that's looking forward to us finishing that series, I would say just be patient. Um, when it get like, when the, when the last couple issues of those come out, I would imagine we would just hang on to them, read them all and then do them all at once, you know, dedicate, dedicate one episode to kind of finishing that series, especially with how short those books are. Totally. Um, And how not as dialogue driven they've been. Mm -hmm. I mean, I will say that, uh, the, the next, I, I have read ahead one issue, of uh, the story we're currently reading. And this Mm -hmm. next book is very dialogue dense. Lots of words going on, but the exposition in the story is really, uh, well, I won't spoil it. You guys can check it out next week. I'm going to be talking about with uh, Mm T.Y. parts four and five of Craven's last hunt. Uh, As always, folks, you can check out the journey into comics podcast at journeyintocomics.com. Get us on all the different podcasting services, Apple Music, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, Podbean, many others. Just search Journey Into Comics Network. Um, I think that's pretty much all 
actually. We don't really have anything else to add. Tyler, do you have anything else you want to say, my friend? No. Um, thanks for thanks for uh, putting us on a really, really good issue, because I would have never read this if you hadn't uh, asked me one day. So yeah, I got. I have another. I have a couple ideas for the future of some stuff I want to read with you, but we'll get to those roads when we're ready to cross them. Cool. I think that's going to do it for Journey into Comics. Two hundred and ninety-eight giant fucking monsters fighting. <laughs> I've been Nate. I've been Ty. As always, pop your caps back and fill your brains with shit. Later, guys. Later. <laughs>